So this morning, um, we are in uh, Zechariah chapter 4, verses 1 through 14. So if you want to open your Bible and read along with me. Then the angel who talked with me returned and woke me up. Like someone awakened from the sleep, he asked me, What do you see? I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lamps on it, one on the right of the bowl and one on its left. I asked the angel who talked to me, what are these, my Lord? He answered, do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I replied. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord of Zerubbabel. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, mighty mountain before Zerubbabel? You will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of God. Bless it. God bless it. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know the Lord Almighty has sent me to you, who dares despise the day of small things, since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the land of Zerubbabel. Then I asked the angel, what are these two olive trees on the right and on the left of the lampstand? Again, I asked him, what are these two olive branches besides the two gold pipes that pour out golden oil? And he replied, do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I said. So he said, these are the two uh, who are anointed to serve the Lord of all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Amazing. Thanks, Aaliyah. Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to Park Hill Church. We are here together, joined by the Spirit. And uh, my name's Evan. Uh, my wife, Sandy, and I have the joy of leading this church with a fantastic team and actually an amazing extended team of community leaders. So if you, I know that some of you are on Zoom calls right now, like on Zoom, watching uh, this teaching and another device on the side, like with your community, which is awesome. I, he I hear you guys are doing that. So just, just give it up for your community leaders in the Zoom room. Um, they are leading so well through a moment none of us saw coming. And I just want to say well done uh, to the community leaders and the rest of you who are committed to gathering and to giving and to being part of the life of the church. Well done. There's beautiful things to come. Cannot wait to roll those out in the future. Um, so we're in the middle of a series called Life in the Spirit. Uh, we're rediscovering the Holy Spirit. Who is he? And what does the Spirit do? And specifically now, what is he up to? What is the Spirit up to in this moment? Okay, no surprise, we are in challenging times. Also no surprise, the Holy Spirit's not anxious about the challenging times we're in. So the question is, you know, what does the Holy Spirit know that if we knew, we wouldn't be as anxious as we are? And the prophet Zechariah, who Aaliyah just read from, Zechariah has an answer to that question. Where we see loss and death, the Holy Spirit sees small beginnings. Um, yeah, and so today, the Spirit wants to enlarge your vision, like expand the parameters of, of sight, to look beyond the ruin around you and identify the small beginnings of heaven that are happening. And then, 
empower you to give your life to those small things. So that's what we're talking about today. Life in the Spirit. The Spirit is all about small beginnings. Um, so the Holy Spirit doesn't want you to miss the millions of small ways God is working all around you. In the midst of momentary hot takes and headlines and changing circumstances, the Holy Spirit wants to empower you to partner with him in work that will last. This is what Zechariah, he, he wrote his book all about this. Aaliyah read chapter four. We're in chapter four today. Um, and Zechariah's book is this beautiful window into a moment of tremendous uncertainty in Israel's story. So Israel had been in exile for 70 years. A lot of us know the story of, <clears throat> of Exodus, Prince of Egypt, Moses, Basket, Burning Bush. That was slavery for 400 years. But less people know that Many centuries later, they went in exile, uh, kind of like again for 70 years as a consequence for not being faithful to the way of Yahweh. And so for 70 years, they're not in their land. They're stripped from their home. And at the end of those 70 years, they're starting to ask questions like, Lord, how long? When will our hearts and lives be restored back to normal? Like, when will we see the goodness of God like you promised? God's people are tired in this moment. Their souls are unsettled. They've been in exile a long time. And now they're like fumbling their way back to normal life. And they're finding it really discouraging. Uh, they're finding out it's hard to come back from exile. <laughs> it's hard to find the old rhythm again. And I can't think of a better example of what we're all experiencing as a human society right now. Like when will things feel open? When we'll be able to do normal stuff? What will the second half of 2020 feel like? Like all these questions we're asking together and all the constant changes and the unmet expectations, they shock our systems, honestly. So as we get started right now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna invite participation. You ready? You wanna participate with something? Okay, so... Make a list right now. I'm actually going to give you two minutes on a clock. Make a list of things that are heavy on your mind. What things are you carrying into this moment? What are the weights you bring to the table? Concerns, genuine challenges, not just ambient anxiety, but like real struggle and suffering. All of, all of it. What are you bringing? Because this is the context in Zechariah, Israel has all these uncertainties and concerns they're bringing to Yahweh. And so we're going to come to the table. We're going to eat the bread and drink the cup at the end of this teaching. What concerns are you bringing to the table? So right now, make a list, pray two minutes, and maybe ask the Holy Spirit to in invite him to speak to you during this time. Because he might say, you know, you thought it was this, but really it's this. So be open right now to do that, okay? Two minutes, and then we will resume. If you are able to, feel free to pause this podcast, pray, listen to the Spirit, and write down your list of worries. Once you have your list, resume when you are ready. All right, everybody, you have your lists, okay? So question about your list. Are you viewing the Spirit through the lens of your list, or are you viewing your list through the lens of the Spirit. Does that make sense? So what's closer to your vision? Are you holding the Spirit close to you and looking 
at your concerns or you're holding your concerns close and, and then having to remind yourself that the Spirit's out there. That's the question Zechariah wants Israel to wrestle with in this book. God brings Zechariah multiple dreams to show him what he's seeing. And he wants him to see God's work amidst the ruin, not the ruin and then, oh yeah, God's working. This is a very personal, raw sermon for me. I'm literally walking through this right now. Uh, in full transparency, the weight of everything. Uh, like I mentioned, the ambient anxiety, it got me this week. Uh, Friday's our Sabbath, and I'm not a big napper. And fr Friday, late morning, like 11 a.m., I found myself just not really unable to move, but super unwilling to move and laying like backwards on my bed head to the foot and my feet are on my pillows, just in a really weird position, not wanting to move and just, just heavy. And then I, I took a nap, which is super weird for me. I know regular nappers, that's great, but I'm not that. So it was a sign uh, of just weirdness. And though I, you know, I obviously felt better after the nap, but it was just a moment of crushing ambient uncertainty. And this is the global, un, the global moment we're in. We're in this thing together, and, and we have no idea what the long-term consequences for the body of Christ will be, for the poor and vulnerable, and just for the way the society works. And, and, and this is the state of Israel here. Zechariah is writing to them. Their temple is in ruins, and they're about to rebuild it, which is, which is hard. It's very hard to live in the land, and they're tired. Okay, so, uh, and in this moment, in Zechariah 4, this is when the Holy Spirit shows up, okay? He shows up in this quagmire, this like murky water here. And as usual for the Holy Spirit, he provides his people with clear guidance on how to manage the stress of isolation and unmet expectations and unemployment and family difficulty, none of which are new to us today. Like God's people have been dealing with this stuff from the beginning, so as we come to this chapter, there's this question hanging in the air, like how long, Lord, until everything is good again? And they're asking this question about timing, like, Lord, when? Are we there yet? Like kids in the backseat of a car on a road trip. Like, are we there yet? And here's the deal. This, this should bring you peace today. God doesn't answer their timing question. Instead, God simply calls them to trust the process. In the words of Matt Persley, one of the elders, He's like, it sounds like this passage is all about trust the process. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's brilliant. If you could sum it up, that's it. God promises to be faithful and to provide power so that we can partner with him to bring life out of death. So we get to trust the process. So I really think this is a word for our community right now. We thought we'd be regathering today, but we're not. I'm grieving this with you 100%. And we're all dealing with disappointment in different ways. You know, there's a church in North Park. I, I'm friends with the pastor there. And he told me they tried regathering the last two Sundays. And then they just decided to pull the plug because they had to dismiss by rows and uh, the first Sunday, they're like, oh, we're back together, but we're all in masks and we have to stay apart and this is weird. Oh, and the second Sunday, they're like, it's still weird. <laughs> and then this weird singing band comes out and they're like, you know what? We're going to trust the process. And they actually pulled back to online. That's All of us are, are dealing with this in different ways and dealing with disappointment together in unity. And today, God is reminding us we can trust the process. We have the promise of God's faithfulness and we have the power of his spirit 
so we can trust the process. So let's dive in and see how this works. Here's the text, Zechariah 4, verse 1. Then the angel who talked with me returned and woke me up like someone awakened from sleep. And he asked me, what do you see? I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lamps on it with seven channels to the lamps. Also, there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl, the other on its left. I asked the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? He answered, do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I replied. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. So God meets Zechariah in a dream. And the angel, which I think is, is a manifestation of God's own self, asks Zechariah, not all angels, but just this one specifically, just to be clear. Uh, the angel asks Zechariah, what do you, what do you see here? And Zechariah sees, he's like, I see this golden lampstand. I see all of it. What is it? And, and, and it's a picture. The lampstand is God's ever loving, watchful eye on his two servants, the two olive trees. These two guys named Joshua and Zerubbabel that are being invited by God to rebuild and empowered by God, his fire and his spirit. God is watching them, he's protecting them, he's providing for them. And God's like, I have you, I love you, and I want you to do this new thing in the middle of a ruined circumstance. And Zachariah doesn't get it. So he asks the question, what are these, these images? And then the next thing that happens is super unique. There's a lot of dreams and weird visions in Zechariah, but this is the only time where God and Zechariah have this conversation. Zechariah asks what it means, and then the angel answers, do you not know what these are? And he's like, no, my Lord. You can hear his, his tone there. And I love this moment. It's almost like the angel of the Lord is like surprised that he doesn't get it and stoked to bring him the good news. Like, really? You don't know what these are? Do you not know what is happening here? Like, I, am, I can't believe I get to tell you. Like, this is incredible news that you get to tell. I can't believe I get to bring this to you. So picture, it's like a t telling a two-year-old that it's their birthday. Um, my wife started this tradition where every, we have five kids, right? So every time they turn two, uh, we have this tradition where we go into their room in the early morning when it's still dark and wake them up with an iPhone filming them. And we're like, happy birthday. It's your birthday. It's your birthday. You're two now. And we just overstimulate them, just completely bombard their senses. And they're just in, they're just in shock. Like, what does all this mean? Why is this a different morning? Uh, what does it all mean? Like, well, this never happens. And they're so confused. And we're like, don't you know what day it is? Do you know you're two now? You're two. How many? Do you know what day it is? And we're just like uh, putting on. And, and, and then we start singing happy birthday. And then it clicks because they know that song. And, 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 and they connect all the dots in their two-year-old brain. And they're like, this is my day. And... All, my parents are celebrating me. This is because this, this is the birthday day. That's that for me. And, and, and depending on their personality, they either like get excited and jump around or get traumatized and crumple up in a little ball. And that's how we differentiate extroverts from introverts in our family. But, um, and this is the sense of Zechariah here. God shows him this vision of God's empowering, protective presence 
saying, I am with you and I'm filling your sails for this new thing amidst the ruin that's being built through you. And I'm so pumped about it. And he's like, what are these, my Lord? And he's like, do you, do you, are you serious right now? You mean I get, to, I get to come into your bedroom and I get to put an iPhone camera on your face and tell you it's your birthday and celebrate you right now? Do you not know? And, um, and so slide 10 here, the angel says, do you not know what these are? And he's like, no, my Lord. And so he said to me, this is what it is. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit says the Lord Almighty. God is saying, my two servants, Zerubbabel and Joshua, Zechariah, you got to tell them that it's not through military might or political power games. They're not going to get this temple rebuilt except through my own empowering presence. And I want to give it. I am for, they have direct access to my spirit. This is like a two-year-old's birthday. It's like, do you know how for you I am and how celebrated you are? God is literally like a loving father running into his toddler's room saying, do you know what day it is? Do you know, do you know what I have for you? Do you know the gifts that I'm going to roll out all day long today? Do you understand? Happy birthday. You know, it's like a two-year-old coming alive. Uh, it's not by might nor by power, but my spirit is available to you. Do you not know what these are? And then God, and then God takes it one step further and he starts just bragging on his kids, on Zerubbabel. He just starts gloating and like slow clapping his kids right now. So uh, slide 12 here, he's like, he goes, what are you mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it, God bless it. That's the final stone of the temple. My kid's gonna do it. Verse eight, then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this, of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. You just hear God's like beaming pride as a father over his kid here, um, which is so amazing to me because it's not about Zerubbabel's power. It's not about his own uh, brilliance. The whole rebuilding project, this whole thing, you guys, it starts and ends with God's own power. God starts with a promise to be faithful. Back in chapter two, you should read it on your own. He's like, I won't just build a temple through you, but I'm gonna build a whole city, a new Jerusalem through you. Every nation's gonna come into it. It's gonna cover the whole earth. It's gonna win. All justice will be done. Every sad thing come untrue. And it's gonna involve you, but it's gonna be because I'm strong and it's gonna cover the whole earth forever. God promises that. And then he gives his power for us to work with him. And then, and then God steps back. This is the crazy part. He steps back and he just starts slow clapping you. Like it's his promise and his power. And then he cheers for you because he just loves to partner with us. He's so proud of his kids. I love how he's just like taunting mountains. He's like, hey mountain, like you don't stand a chance. Wait till you meet my kid. Wait till you meet my daughter. My daughter's gonna bring you into like a valley. Hey, Mount Everest, my son, you don't stand a chance. God just has so much uh, confidence in his partnership with us because of his promise and power he gives us. And, and remember, like, what's going on in Israel in this moment? Rubble, like ruins. And it's hard. They, they maybe had dreams of coming back to normal, 
but it's not what they thought. Everything's just not working the way that they desire. They look back at Eden and Israel and the Solomon's temple, and they're like, it's not as glorious as that anymore. We thought it would be easy to come back, but it's harder than ever. Um, And meanwhile, God's like, oh yeah, 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 sure, all that's true, but did you see my daughter? Did you see my son? Do you see, hey, Mount Everest, you don't stand a chance against them. Why? Because I promise faithfulness. I put my spirit in them and I see the small beginnings of what will last forever. Can't you see it? It's like, what are these things? What are, God's like, don't you, don't you know what these things are? It's a vision issue, you guys. So let me ask you, Park Hill, look back at your list. How's that list looking? I know it says the same stuff, but how's it looking in context with God's slow clapping, bragging, happy birthday, running into your presence, celebrating who you are because his power is in you? Like, how does that list feel? Uh, And I listen, I have zero desire to minimize suffering. Zero. This is not what I'm saying. Zero desire to minimize genuine loss and oppression and grief that people are genuinely going through. I, you know, we can talk about anxiety, but anxiety can be rooted in reality and, and non-reality. So I'm not minimizing the reality of suffering in this moment. But listen, can you hear the Father slow clapping you? The rubble is real. God knows it's real. And he's saying, but do you see my child? I see the finished product. I see my promise and power at work. I can't believe the good things this child is going to accomplish. So if you're a follower of Jesus, here's what this means. If you're a Jesus follower, you're a child of God, here's what this means. In this age of political power games, you have access to the power of the spirit. In this moment of uncertainty and anxiety and racism and and oppression, you have the promise of God's faithfulness to the end. There was an experiment done recently in the University of London, uh, University of London College, that, that said, that showed that we are more stressed out and more anxious over not knowing for sure if there's pain around the corner than we are if we know for sure we will experience pain around the corner. <laughs> so just the uncertainty is actually more harmful to our insides than actually getting zapped or whatever. Uh, So what does the promise of God's faithfulness do for your uncertainty? (laughs) When you know around the final corner, there is a city that covers the earth where every sad thing comes untrue and every tribe and tongue, color and culture, ethnicity, and every banner of every, every tribe is represented and seen and worshiping Jesus the King and Jesus the judge has his way and brings down every arrogant mountain and up every mourning and grieving valley. This is our future. How does that list look? Okay. And this begs the question, what part do we play? It sounds like it's all God. It is and it isn't. Um, It sure seems like God's doing all the work in this story. Yes and no. Yes, God empowers our work, 100%. But God won't do the work without us, okay? 
I love what Tanika said as we were praying before this live uh, stream. She, she was just saying that, that she was underlying this, like the work of God is so profound and, and, and he does, he empowers us for it all. And she's like, yet when we pray the kingdom of God, come Lord, bring your kingdom, bring your kingdom. God then uses people who say yes to be the answer to that prayer and actually get the kingdom work done. Yes, God empowers all the kingdom work, but, and <laughs> he, he doesn't do it without us. He uses us. We absolutely have a part to play. What is that part? Verse 10 on the screen. Who dares despise the day of small things? Since the seven eyes of the Lord that reigns throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. So this is our part. Faithfulness in the small things. Don't, in, in his words, don't despise the day of small things. This means faithfulness in the normal, ordinary stuff, you guys. God's like, who dares despise all these small, beautiful births happening around us? Who dares despise these things when the creator God is the one rejoicing over you, promising to preserve you, giving you a calling, empowering you for greatness and celebrating you as his loved child? Who dares despise the small things in that? With the love and power of God on our side, who dares despise the day of small things? And, and the answer is actually a lot of us do. A lot of us despise the day of small things. Me included, I'm ashamed to say. Um, and what does that look like? It's really easy, and, and especially in this moment we're in. And one, one way we despise the day of small things, so I'm gonna say two ways. One is we, we focus on what's dying. I don't know about you, that's really easy for me to do. I, I, it's, it's tough for me to just check a couple news headlines once a day, you know? Um, but a really great way to despise and to move beyond and not see the new birth that God is creating around us is to obsess over the old death. And um, Richard Powers said it this way, Trees fall with spectacular crashes, but planting is silent and growth invisible. And spectacular crashes, they get our attention right now. You know, when a tree falls, it's startling and it's fascinating all at once. And it's easy to miss the beauty of the forest. The forest is teeming with life all over. But when one big tree falls, it captures our attention. And because of the noisy falling, falling trees, we can despise the forest. Um, and yeah, I mean, sickness and racism, economy, all around us, it's all absolutely real. And yet God is calling us to balance and orient our vision around the spirit first and then the list instead of list first and then spirit. So one way we despise the day of small things is we focus on what's dying. If we focus on what's dying, we might miss the slow rise of what's quietly coming to life. If you focus on what's dying, you guys, Park Hill, you might miss your community group actually getting closer during this time. I hear stories, love hearing, love, love hearing from your community leaders about the way we are depending on one another in this moment in intensified ways, and it's beautiful. If we focus on what's dying, we might miss finding new ways to serve, creative ways to encourage one another. I've never gotten like a, a, a basket of goodies on my doorstep except my birthday. 
until the quarantine. <laughs> and then once in a while, like, like a couple of different times, there's some really sweet people doing like a ding dong basket um, moment for us. And it's like, oh my gosh, that's super creative and super kind. Uh, several communities have stepped up to serve the hungry and the homeless during this time. Uh, and stay tuned for the justice page that's coming out. Uh, several initiatives our church are embracing to reach outward and be the hands and feet of Jesus during this moment. Um, a lot of you have already been being creative in your serving and your encouraging. You focus on what's dying, you'll miss those opportunities to be creative. If we focus on what's dying, we might miss watching our kids start to realize, oh my gosh, life is sacred. Life is fragile and sacred and special. And those conversations are moments to seize with our little ones. If we focus on what's dying, we might miss the joy of being present to one another. And we might miss the countless people in our city who, because they're no longer distracted or busy or proud to ask where life comes from, and talk about the deep longings of their hearts, like evangelistic, natural conversations. If we focus on what's dying, we'll just whoosh, right past those golden opportunities of calling people to faith, okay? And so if we shift, if we shift our eyes from what is dying, that is a loud motorcycle and airplane, both. I miss this building with you. But um, if we shift our eyes, you guys, shift our eyes from what is dying and focus on simple faithfulness, who knows the millions of small things we would notice and join God in the fresh rebuilding project he's doing in the world right now. So how, often, how we often miss the new thing God is doing, we focus on what's dying. And then number two, real quick, we're often like too nostalgic about the past. It's great to like, oh man, I, reg I, I, I mourn and I grieve the loss of this thing I loved, but that can e easily turn into a distracting nostalgia that gets our eyes off of what God is doing from here on. And so perfect example from this moment in Israel's story, Israel's rebuilding the temple. It's the second temple. And did you know when they rebuilt their temple, there were some people that were so stuck in the past that they actually, they were so oblivious to what the spirit was doing that they actually mourned and wept when the new temple foundation was being poured. <laughs> um, so Ezra 3 has the story. It's on the screen for you. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. So picture that scene. New foundation goes in, half of God's people shout for joy, the other half weep for sorrow. I bet there were debates, awkward family conversations. I bet there was division. And I bet people were emotionally tied to their opinions about everything. Um, God was doing a brand new thing by the power of his spirit, but some people were so attached to the past, the way things used to be and focusing on what was dying, they missed small beginnings and the power of the small things together in unity. They looked at the small beginnings of God's temple and they despised it. So Park Hill, here's a question. We're gonna wrap up now. What might be keeping you from delighting 
in the small things, the day of small things. Today is the day. Like what might be keeping you from delighting in listening to someone with a different experience than you and growing closer to Christ because you learned, oh, holding emotionally to my own opinion on something is less important as listening to the lived experience of another. What's keeping you from delighting in that? Whether it's about someone's racial experience or someone's genuine questions about political upheaval and you listen. So the daily faithfulness, the silence in his presence, daily scripture meditation, observing Sabbath, fasting, being generous in your church and to your community, all of this committing to your community through these small beginnings, God is building a temple, a house to live in. And God's house will be standing long after COVID and racism and corrupt politics are gone. And it starts small. What's keeping you from seeing those things? Speaking of politics, you guys, 2020 is about to heat up. And remember, Jesus is neither Republican nor Democrat. No political party fits neatly into the kingdom of God. There are so many beautiful small things the Spirit is birthing in 2020. And listen, you don't want to miss what the Spirit is doing because you were too busy winning an argument. It's a great way to despise the day of small things. So to bring us home as a child of God, are, let me ask you, are you a child of God? Maybe you're watching online and you saw like a recommended watch link on YouTube. We, we're shocked every week when we do a live stream. How many people just click because it was like the next video recommended? Uh, if that's you, welcome. Uh, and are you a child of God? What does that mean? Have you admitted your need of forgiveness and said, oh my gosh, uh, God, the God revealed in Christ offers me forgiveness and inclusion into his family. I just admit my need for his salvation, repent of my sin. What does that look like? We would love to talk to you about that. Parkhillsd.church. You can get in touch with us. We see every email that comes through and go, what does it mean to be a child of God? And if you are a child of God, then listen, as a child of God, wherever you are, however this year is affecting you, you have God's promise that he'll be faithful to you. And, and you have the Holy Spirit's power to carry you through, which means however this year is affecting you, you get to trust the process. You get to trust the process and delight in the small stuff, you guys. And so the question that we'll end on, what temple are you building amid the wreckage today? It's easy to see the falling trees. What are you building in the forest? What are we building in a forest? I'll tell you, Park Hill Church is committed to building communities that are devoted to one another, pray together, and one day we're gonna sing together with all of our hearts. And we'll look back on 2020, year 2050 comes, we'll be like, that was a crazy year. Look what God built. I wanna say that with you. I'm committed to saying that with you guys. So that list, ask yourself this week, what does it mean to put the Holy Spirit close to my vision. Lord, come, Holy Spirit, come. And I view my list through your presence and power and your promise. 
instead of the other way around where the list is like, oh my gosh, it's always on my mind. Oh yeah, there's a Holy Spirit somewhere. Big difference, you guys. What does it mean to flip that vision? Jesus had the right perspective. Jesus was faithful all the way to death on a cross. Talk about small beginnings, you guys. The cross was the puniest, pathetic way to go. The, the smallest, most insignificant way to be shamed and to just be kicked to the gutter. Jesus did not despise the cross. Jesus did not despise the day of small things because he knew that when he hung on the cross and was crowned with the thorns, he was inheriting a kingdom and he was becoming the foundation of the temple where all of God's people would be built together by the Holy Spirit and become a house for God to live in, you guys. And now through faithfulness in the small things, you and I are being built on Jesus, our crucified King, and the Holy Spirit is living in us. And this house will outlast every hot take and every headline and every plague and every oppression. And so how are we building and what are we building amid the wreckage today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Jesus, that you despised, you did not despise the cross. You, you went straight into the day of suffering, the day of becoming small, the day of becoming laughed at, and the day of being crushed. You stepped right into the ruin because you knew in the pile of ruin on that hill that you died on, there would emerge a whole new creation where you are king and all nations and tribes will come to the crucified king, the lamb that has been slain and will cry worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb. The world saw Jesus on a cross and saw worthless and Jesus accepted the cross, did not despise it and said, I will be made worthy and I will be worshiped. And so here we are, Lord, worshiping you how can we worship you with our lives? In changing times, teach us how to look to the unchanging God. Holy Spirit, come in this moment. We wanna to sing to you now. So church, I wanna invite you again to stand wherever you are. We're gonna eat and drink the bread and cup. Aaliyah's gonna lead us in that. But right now, where you are, stand. And we're gonna sing that song, King of My Heart, and just place him on the throne of our hearts right now. So let's do that today. <laughs>